Welcome back to This Week. Now, Justice Minister Simon Harris said on today's Week in Politics that clarity will be brought to the Children's Act to address a problem with the sentencing of minors for serious crimes. This week, High Court Judge Mr Tony Hunt spoke of a yawning gap in the law, leaving judges with an all-or-nothing choice when sentencing minors. Catherine Ghent is a lawyer specialising in children's law and human rights and she's here in studio with me. Good afternoon. afternoon. Catherine, briefly, could you just explain to us what is this yawning gap that Mr Justice as Tony Hunt referred to. It's effectively the lack of a review mechanism, statutory review mechanism in terms of determinate sentences for young people. So that effectively is what the problem is. And we are talking about children who commit serious crimes here. But of course, in some cases, they may have reached adulthood by the time they actually come to be sentenced. Will it be easy to to close this gap in the legislation? Well, I think if you go through the uh, Children Act um, as amended, which is the main piece of legislation dealing with um, justice for juveniles or juveniles accused of crime, um, it is, I think, necessarily a very complex piece of legislation, which is very specific in terms of the remit and the powers it gives to the court. It very much brings the child to the court as an individual to have their particular uh, circumstances looked at. Um, It deals with the rehabilitative aspect for juveniles in a much deeper way than it would for adults because of the recognition that that is obviously the most important thing for them, for society and for victims if they can be stopped um, on a trajectory of of criminal behaviour so to speak. So I think it'll have to be amended in the context of what is already I suppose a complex piece of legislation Um, but it's obviously important that that is done. I think that everyone in the area is agreed of the necessity to amend this. And I suppose it's positive the Minister has indicated that that's what he's going to do. Now, the recently published Family Court Bill provides for a new family law complex to replace the current hodgepodge of crowded and very often chaotic locations such as Dolphin House and Phoenix House. How should a new building um, provide an appropriate environment for families seeking justice? A new building is going to require space and lots of it. It's going to require clever design because the difficulty with um, family law proceedings and it's going to encompass family law and child protection proceedings and they are proceedings containing people generally in circumstances of conflict. And that may be a simple power imbalance, it may be hurt or it may extend to domestic violence situations and and child protection situations. So I think that's the first thing that is going to have to be recognised. The buildings have to fit the people that they're going to serve. And they're going to serve the people who will be coming in front of it, either making applications or on the receiving ends of applications. So you're going to need lots of consultation rooms for lawyers. You're going to need a number of waiting rooms because what you don't want is, as happens now, sometimes people are standing in corridors or sometimes they're standing outside court buildings where you have perpetrators of domestic violence in the same space effectively as victims of mm-hmm. domestic domestic violence and it's it can be a very intimidating um, place even seeing the other person before going into court can ratchet up tension so I think commensurate with the overall um, aim of the legislation which is to reduce tension which is to reduce conflict it's really important that the buildings and the physicality of it also reflect that. Now this bill also prioritises the best interests of the child which is enshrined in the constitution anyway yet a report detailing the voice of the child can cost up to 5,000 euro does this necessarily mean that children's voices go unheard? 
It it does, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it, it's not an acceptable situation where if you can pay for these reports, your children benefit from them. Um, whereas if you can't, they don't. And that is in direct conflict with the constitutional imperative to have the best interests of the child as the paramount consideration, both in child protection and in private family law proceedings. So the state is going to have to give effect to that constitutional obligation. It's clear, it's unambiguous, um, it's in keeping with our international obligations and it, it simply has to be done. So there is going to have to be a better system worked out for actually ascertaining in a meaningful way the voice of the child. Something which is also required is regulation in terms of the experts providing reports. There is a massive discrepancy in terms of the standard across the country and therefore the services that children are getting. Family law courts are overwhelmed Give our listeners a snapshot of what the courts and the lists are like. Well, you could be in country court areas where you have at the start of the list people being brought in on warrants, people being criminal warrants who have to be dealt with, bail applications, followed by 70 to 100 cases of private family law applications and child protection applications. All in one day. All in one day. And it's just not fair or feasible to let to have a situation where judges are expected to deal with that. You can't, the court service staff can't deal with that. How many might they get through in a day? It depends. I mean, child protection has to be given priority. Um, Obviously, warrants have to be given priority if people are coming in. Um, So what you have on occasion is huge swathes of the lists being adjourned. And that's highly unsatisfactory because it's impossible in certain um, areas of the country to get court dates. And you know, children's lives and people's lives don't stop. And the problem is that the longer the delays, actually that extends the litigation because if it's deferred for six months because it hasn't been heard or it takes that length of time to be to come again, so much has happened in between and then parties feel that that needs to be litigated. So it, it just perpetuates this delay in the system. So do you have any confidence that this, this new bill, uh, which has now been published, will shorten those delays? If it's to shorten the delays, we need to have more judges, we need to have more court service staff and we need to have more courts available. Um, And that is the reality. Unless this is funded up front, it's not going to work because you are going to have the same delays in the system because you simply don't have the personnel to deal with it. Um, The aspects where you're trying to remove conflict and send people to mediation and all of that is very important and that will reduce some pressure. There are obligations um, in that respect already. But unless you have the staff and the personnel involved in the Judiciary and Court Service, it's it's not going to work. So if there is upfront funding um, and that as a statement of intent, it's good legislation, but that as a statement of intent will actually be, I suppose, the proof of the pudding in terms of where we're going to go with this change in the system. And we already have the lowest number of judges per capita in Europe. How many more do you think? What kind of numbers are we talking about in order to bring us up to par? Well, I suppose if you uh, listen to the presidents of the various courts, they will be, you know, know, telling you that. But I think that we need substantially more um, than we have. I suppose it's hard for me to put a number on it. The court service might be better able to do that. But I think what's clear is that there needs to be thought given to the volume of cases coming through. Track that over a period of time. Look at the delays and the extent of the waiting lists and and work out the numbers on on a practical and a feasible basis after that. But it, it has to be done. Catherine Gent, children's lawyer, thank you very much for coming into us. And after the break, N2 leader Padder Tobin joins us in studio.